Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. And we are in Atlanta today, and I got a couple of guests. This is the first time I've ever done an introduction live in studio. But instead of saying, hey, on today's episode, we have, I'll, I'll try that, okay? And then you guys chime in. So on today's episode, we have the Brad Lominick. But that wasn't Brad. And <laughs> the Clay Scrog dog, Scroggins. <laughs> Scroggins, that's right, who are with me uh, today. And this is the annual Rethink Leadership Roundtable, where we're going to talk about, what, church trends? We're going to talk about your incredible list of resources. Did I say that right? My Reggie, resources? Yeah, Reggie always makes fun of me. Well, you, you say uh, things. Resources? Resources, yeah. yeah. Is that there the wrong There are a few things right that <laughs> Carrie says, Clay, yeah. on his podcast that we yeah, Americans giggle at. So go ahead, at. make giggle. fun of me. We giggle a little bit underneath yeah, our it. breath. What, yeah. do you, what do you giggle about? Well, just I can't think of all the words that See? you say that are weird. So you really have nothing. About. 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 <laughs> so you really have nothing. <laughs> about. Mainly about. just about. I'm about. always thinking, if, is he saying a boat? Yeah. A boat? About getting in a boat. Yeah. If the snow melts, it's a lot better in the the studio when I'm at home. (laughs) It's a lot easier. Hey, how's your home construction project? Is it over? Hey, it's finally done. Yeah, yeah. That was about a year ago, right? I remember, I think they were ripping out the kitchen the day I last interviewed you for my podcast. And it it was remote. Honestly, when that episode, Clay, whatever it is, we'll link to it in the show notes. When that hit the air, I swore it sounded like World War Three, like the apocalypse. Right. You right. could only hear it, though. Those of us who uh, listened no, to it, we couldn't hear it. You really couldn't hear it when no, it hit the air. It's crazy. But in in my ears on that day, I thought, oh, my like gosh. A, like a jackhammer on your shoulder. Yeah, totally. By the totally. way, uh, mm-hmm. Brad recommends yeah. go back and listen to that episode, both episodes you've done with Clay. That was, uh, well, the last one was a digital disruption. Yes. And then the other one was the precursor to this book, which has sold 700 bajillion copies. Yeah, yeah. Clay's in the airport er, everywhere. Have you seen he his is book in the, the airport? airport. Yeah. Once I was right next, next to, you. to Carrie Newhoff and Brad Lominick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine's usually yeah. next to like the Christian cooking book. Yeah. Or a hundred great jokes for your kids. Uh, yeah. I've been next to that one. And <laughs> yeah. I think I was next to a coloring book once. Yeah, yeah, and then once yeah. I was next to John Maxwell. So <laughs> that's got to be. Yeah. Anyway, better. our books show up at airports. It's stuff that's we right. talk about. But anyway, that was on the digital disruption. It was really good. It got downloaded almost as much as your book has been bought. But anyway. Uh, and here it's all free, right? It, it, it's, free. One of, it's one of the top episodes of any podcast that I recommend to people. Oh, wow. You, you're in Clay's conversation. That's Just awesome. because it's, it's, it was so helpful from the standpoint of talking about an issue that, that is uh, perplexing to many people today. Yeah. We're going to um, revisit that today, digital trends in the church, talking about church trends. So one of the things we do, we've done this episode for a few years now. You and I are the anchor for it. And uh, that I'm looking at Brad, but you guys can't see that. Yes. Anyway, long story short, um, because we do this event together that we're all going to be at called Rethink Leadership. And it's happening May 1st through 3rd here in Atlanta, Georgia at the John Maxwell Leadership Center. And it's kind of fun because we spent the day really project planning. I'm going to look over at the board and we just secured the founder of the Ritz-Carlton, Horst Schultze. 
um, who's got a new book coming out called Excellence Wins. Which, which I've read. They sent me a copy. Yeah. It's it's actually incredible. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes you get, I get a lot of books. Sometimes you're like, skim, 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 cam ready for the interview. Can't put this one down. It's all dog-eared and it's really good. And it's actually funny. And it's probably the best customer service slash hospitality book hmm. I've ever read. And with huge applications. So Horst Schultze is going to be there along with Facebook's Nona Jones. And uh, who else do we have? Joel Manby. He's the former CEO of SeaWorld Entertainment and Saab USA. Yep. Uh, John Acuff. Have, yeah, John Acuff. Who's is been there be every there. year since the beginning. This is now the fourth year of Rethink Leadership. Fourth year since the beginning. Dun, yes. dun, dun. Yeah. yeah. All, and four then, year, all four years. All four years. <laughs> all four years. We're not even in kindergarten yet. Uh, and then Clay Scroggins, if you've heard of him, he mm-hmm. will be there this mm-hmm. year. Along with I don't think see. I've been invited to this. Of course you have. Well, <laughs> we know you. You're, so, you're, you're, you, live you're, ten, you live 10 minutes away. Yeah, listen, I would love to come. You're, the, the, the people that work for you have been, <laughs> have been notified. Stop it. <laughs> Darius Daniels will be here with Darius us. Darius Daniels, uh, Danielle Strickland. Yeah. Did I mention Kara Powell? I think you I did. You did not, but you just no, did. No, Kara Powell, Kevin Jennings, and uh, well, many more. So what you need to do is get on over, and it sells out every year, yep. and we anticipate it doing the same. Head on over to RethinkLeadership.com. And the fun part, because we put this together four years ago, is we designed an event that was not just a conference. So mm-hmm. yes, you're going to hear brand new talks, brand new content. There'll be a lot of interviews, but we don't have breakouts. We have affinity conversations. I this was that. your mastermind, Brad. So give us the idea behind that. Well, most breakouts you go to, it's another hour for somebody to actually present a talk they've done many times before. So yes. we tried to change the model and say, how about 10 to 15 minutes of content or presenting or setting up a topic or topics, and then let's spend the other 45 minutes actually having a conversation about it. Q&A, uh, we, we, we try to create the environment in which people in the session are able to get their questions answered, but also yeah. to walk away with some practical things. So it, you know, it's 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 nothing magical other than saying let's flip the script a little bit and allow that person who is presenting to actually answer questions instead of just give the talk you've heard them give other places. Yeah, and and often in affinity conversations, the room capacity is dozens, not hundreds. So yeah. you're going to get your question At asked. Least, yeah, we're not answered. in a room with 500 people. I mean, no. you're in a room with maybe 75. Exactly. 50 Sometimes 75. 30, 50. Yeah. You and I have done a uh, one of my favorite things at yeah. Rethink is when you and I just say, hey, for an hour, we're going to talk about trends we're seeing and we're going to try to answer your questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's for from the feedback, that's the kind of session I want to set in. Is one yeah. where you're able to not just get your questions answered, but actually listen to other people asking questions that you were probably going to ask anyway at some point. Well, I think things have changed. Content's everywhere. And even though they're brand new talk, sure, six months from now, you're going to hear them give the talk somewhere else. You know, maybe it's a TED talk for some of our speakers, or you'll catch it on their website or on their social. But the reality is, I think what leaders want today is they want access, they want community, and they want to have a conversation that goes, okay, yeah, 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 but how does this work for me? And you have a dialogue. So that's what we set up for three days in Atlanta, uh, May 1st and 2nd, and then also May 3rd, which is a Friday, your ticket to Rethink Leadership buys you full admission to Orange Conference. So it's a great thing. a lot of other great speakers. there will be thousands of people at Orange Conference? About 8,000. Thousands. It's crazy. That is incredible. Let your team 
go to Orange. Yeah. And you can join them on Friday. So you bring your whole team, but you're with us as a senior leader, campus pastor, executive pastor, senior pastor. You're with us for two days and then join your team on that third day on Friday all together. And we only allow senior pastors, campus pastors, and executive pastors in the room. Because don't be we, trying to sneak in. Yeah, don't, don't be sneaking in. The Are reason we do pastors? that, I, I don't know. It's like, it's like, you know, as parents, Clay, you have five kids, right? Is I that, do. Does that count accurate? Yes. Has, has it gone <laughs> yeah, up since three o'clock? As, no, of today. Just yeah, as of today. As of today, it was five kids. Five children. There are conversations you and Jenny have when the kids aren't around. We have True. to tell them, go down to the basement. <laughs> We need to have <laughs> we need to have an adult conversation, uh-huh. which an adult conversation is really any conversation because <laughs> it's just grunting. Yeah, <laughs> they just interrupt every but conversation. If you're a senior leader, you get that because there are conversations you cannot have around yeah. a table with the rest of your staff. Yeah. And it's not that you're saying things that are inappropriate. It's just that, no, you need to talk to somebody who knows, who gets it, who says, you know, I just, I got this one campus that, or I've got this, you know, one area and you can't say that in front of your team. So anyway, it's senior leaders speak only. It's campus pastors, ex- executive pastors, senior pastors. But uh, So make sure you check out rethinkleadership.com. But what we're going to do right now is jump into our roundtable. And um, I want to have Brad, you send out emails that I haven't seen in years. Like people used to send these out and nobody does except you. And I love getting them. It is an email full of links to what is the latest. And uh, I want to hear about your content curation, what's new, what's exciting for you, and what's on your radar. And then, Clay, I'm going to ask you, like, what what is capturing your imagination right now? Are you going to do, like, this newsletter thing? Because you sent it out. How many people do you send that to? I know it's a private email. I don't send it to many. Uh, I send it to two. Oh, no, 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 like tens. Tens? Tens, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm privileged to be on that list. And a lot of it for me has been trying to figure out the concentric circles of influence. Um, I have some organizations that I'm helping. And yeah. so a lot of that was motivated around organizations asking me the question, hey, Brad, would you curate some links and emails and information articles that we would, you would want us to read? Hmm. So many, uh, much of the motivation for me started with, I have organizations I'm helping that were asking for it but I quickly realized that it was valuable, obviously to anyone. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to keep it sort of inside of a circle that not because I wanted to be exclusive, but I just felt like um, it was helpful for certain kinds of leaders. Yeah. But the point for me on this is that I think, and I've said this before, I think on your podcast, Carrie, that the leader of the future and the leader of now, but really going into the future is going to be the curator. Mm-hmm. Much more than the... Um, the aggregator is going to be the one who has the influence. Why, why is that? Why do you say that? Um, a lot of it is because the way we look at leadership has changed. And no longer just because you're the expert or you're the, you're the one who built the thing, is it necessarily assumed that you actually know what you're talking about. And you can, you can, you can leverage influence quicker and, and many times in a way that I think people are more interested in today than ever before as a curator, meaning that I don't have to be the one who wrote the book, but if I can curate the content from the book in a way that's actually digestible for you, then I might have as much influence as the person who actually wrote the book. Hmm. Do you agree, Carrie? Yeah, it's, it's something to think about. 
Um, I do think curators have a have a significant role in the future. Clay, and by the way, great job interviewing. I think I think this can be your show. <laughs> I listen, really I listen to your podcast yeah. so faithfully. That's my uh, goal today. He's, he's really trying. Uh-huh. He's really trying to. Yeah, speak. that's right. I'm he's just trying, trying to, to dive into this roundtable idea. Interview like yeah. Carrie. <laughs> uh, that's clever. I see what I see what you did there. Um, yeah, I think so because we are drowning in a sea of information. Yeah, there's I mean, so much information. You don't there you. It's easier to be an expert on something yeah. now. You can read a couple articles and sound like an expert. That's what I was trying to say. You yeah. just said it way better. Yeah. Yeah. But do you remember, I mean, we all remember because we're of a certain age, even Josh remembers our producer who's now doing email, but that's okay. Uh, Josh, I'm kidding. Uh, there was a time where I read every single tweet on my feed mm-hmm. and you saw every image yep. on Instagram yep. because you had 300 friends or whatever yep. and not everybody posted all the time. Those days are long gone. That's right. I can barely, I'm at the stage now where I can barely keep up with replies. Yep. And so it's, it's, it's very challenging. So we have this sea of information, but nobody knows what it means. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the crises of our generation yeah. is we were talking about this, like you and I both subscribe to Tim Ferriss's Five Bullet Friday. Yeah, right. And you do too, Clay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's got five things that are on his radar and they've been carefully thought through. Now, I don't go out and buy what he says or watch everything, but I want to know like, from people like that. So I think curation and meaning, uh, and I, I think that's an opportunity for church leaders, right? You can be a broker of meaning. I was just, that's what I was thinking, Carrie, is the mm-hmm. great thing about it is it allows anybody, it allows anybody to find a way to help other people, that yes. you don't have to be the one to define it or to be the expert. You can be the curator, but then you added an element. You said you not only do you have to curate, you also have to show the meaning. You have to be able to call out the meaning or identify the meaning in what you have curated. Is that, is yeah. that what you meant well, by that? Well, and I've had these conversations with David Kinneman too, who's been a past and will be a future guest again on, on the show. But, you know, they do all this research. Yep. And, you know, he says that's great to have all the data, but at the end of the day we need more people to help us figure out what that means. That's right. That's and right. and for a piece of data to stick. Yeah. Like we were yeah. just talking about it today as we were getting for re- ready for Rethink Leadership, uh, that recent Barna research for, for Alpha that showed that 47% of millennials think that evangelism is wrong. Is wrong yeah. Right? See, it's, you know that headline. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not just distasteful. It's mm. actually wrong. Yep. And And... So what does that mean? Now, David, as he always does, will have a very helpful report around that. But you can drill down on that like mm-hmm. 15 different ways. And I think we, we live with like breadth of information everywhere you go. I still love it when I can find a restaurant to go out with my wife that doesn't have a TV on the wall. Mm-hmm. Those are the best for me because I don't need to see what's happening right now. Yeah. I need to focus on the person I'm with. And the news used to be, think about how news has changed. In the 1980s, before CNN, early 80s, it was still a digest for 20 minutes of everything you needed to know. And you trusted ABC, NBC, CBS, whatever your flavor was, uh, with that digest. Now, people say, well, we have a right to know a lot more and I have a curiosity that's a lot broader. But there was a helpfulness in that because in 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 a far more neutral way than newscasters do it today, news was simply presented as this is what happened in the world today. That's the way it was. And somebody was doing the curating for you. Somebody mm-hmm. was basically saying, hey, l- there's a lot out there, but let me give you the 20 minutes worth of it and let me add some meaning with it and pass it on to you. So you become a trusted broker of information. When yeah. I get that email, I'm excited. I click mm-hmm. on links. I discover new things. I, I subscribe to a new newsletter you talked about today. And I think that's going to be a very valuable 
thing. And you can do that for your congregation. It doesn't mean you have to create a daily devotional. It doesn't yeah. mean you have to create That's great. Uh, a piece of news. It's just like, hey, here's some things I've been looking at. And then email, like, don't just email. Here's, here's one takeaway, because I love getting lost in abstract land. But don't just email like, here's our next series or here's the next event at our church. Say, here's a couple of things I found really, really helpful yep. along the way. Wonder if you might find them helpful what, too. One of the things that I find too is when, I mean, smart leaders and leaders that I really admire, they're always asking the question behind the question. They're always, yep. Yep. They're yep. always yep. pushing in to say, what podcast do you listen to? What are you reading? What's the books that have inspired you? Who have you met recently that, mm. that I need to meet? What they're, what they're many times getting to is introduce me to the people that you've been introduced to or the things you've been introduced mm -hmm. to that I need to be introduced to. And so this idea of connector, curator, aggregator, facilitator, producer, platform builder, personally, that's just my calling. I mean, but I think, I, I I think just more and more say, leaders need to do this. This is what you, this is what you do. Yeah, it's, it, yeah it, is, it is what you do. It's when I wake up in the morning, I'm motivated to do this. But I, I just see more and more that it's actually helpful for other leaders to do it. Yeah. When Even for those who would say, that's not really me. Mm. You're still going to win. You don't have to, like you just said, Carrie, you don't, you don't have to be the one that writes 10 articles. You can write one and link to nine others. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think people are looking for a filter and they're looking for a filter that works. They're looking for a filter that's helpful. I think the other future role, if you're thinking about where you can contribute, because I was joking about you, you know, interviewing. Interviewer is a real thing. And I've been studying, there's apparently a new book, I got to go Google it, but on uh, how to interview. Uh, somebody who just had done a big study on what makes for great interviewers. But I become, having done this podcast now for four and a half years, I become a student of interviewers. You think about Larry King. What is Larry King known for? It's not his own ideas. He just asked questions every night for six decades. Oprah, largely interviewing, curiosity. And there's two types of interviewers. And this is where we all struggle because we're all struggling. And this is a round table. So I've already talked more than I would on a typical episode, uh, but it's just three friends getting together. But I've, I've disciplined myself to shut up because my temptation as an interviewer when I'm doing a pure interview is I'll want to say, oh yeah, Brad, well, that's just like what I wrote in a blog post two months ago. Or yes, Clay, that's exactly what we do at Connexus Church. And at the end of the day, you just come off as like trying to interrupt the guest or trying to show off or whatever. So I've tried really hard, don't always get it right, just to shut up, sit back, and listen. Has your wife ever commented on that? She did. Yeah. <laughs> Early on, she's like, you talk too much. I'm like, oh. Carrie, I, I had Carrie speak to our staff about his, uh, oh, yeah, didn't yeah. see it coming. That was an insider question. You, you shared that story of what Tony said. I loved your humility and the self-deprecating way that you shared that story, that yeah. your wife called you out and said, hey, Carrie, you, you need to stop talking so much on, <laughs> on your podcast. On it's podcast. your podcast. <laughs> she, she is the best. Remember, she's listened to me for 30 years. So I, lo I loved, you that. know, the poor woman. That's she awesome. goes straight to heaven. Who, who's, who is your favorite interviewer? My favorite interviewer? Who's doing I think Larry King did a brilliant job. I mean, he's Hall of Fame. He yeah. is Hall of Fame. I like, uh, lately, I, I love the How I Built This NPR series. Yeah. I think Guy Raz does a really yeah. good job. I mean, there are some, sometimes he plays, 
he plays so dumb, which I feel like you have to, mm-hmm. you, part of an interviewer is you play dumb. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, think yeah, you've you, told I, me that, Carrie. I do. You, sometimes you, play you dumb. do, you minimize the amount of research you do so that you can go in more curious. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, he does a, I feel like he does a great job of simple, you know, so then what happened next? I mean, that's, yeah. I feel like that's just what he says over and over again. But I'd, I think, like to ha- I'd like to hear Clay do more interviews. You are, I've heard you with Frank Blake at a private event. It wasn't a, a former CEO of Home Depot. That was one of the best interviews I've got. I think can you've we, got can game we there. commit to launching a podcast on this podcast that you will start a new podcast where you're. He has five kids. I do. I mean, how to leave when I you're can't. not in charge. That yeah. feels like it needs a podcast. It, do, it, 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 it does actually. That totally needs a podcast. This Raise your hand out there in digital I'm world gonna, if you if you mm-hmm. agree with us that Clay Scroggins should start a new podcast. Let's, let's get back to your question, the question you asked, uh-huh. Gary. So what that are those means links, he's going to do it. Because he's links? resisting. Ask, ask Clay your, the question you had for him while I look up some of these links <laughs> that, I, that I find really interesting. Annie Downs is a great interviewer. Yeah, she, she does She asks good really good questions. And yeah. she... She will push back and contribute, yep. but never in a showy way. The other person I've just started listening to is Conan. You know, Ken, yeah, Conan yeah, O'Brien. Uh-huh. He's called him Conan. I did. Con- I did. Yeah, like it's the Conan the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Conan. Um, Conan O'Brien. I've been listening to uh, Reed Hoffman, Master of Scale. Yeah, great but that's podcast. more like a, that's, a great one. that's more NPR-ish, yeah. right? Like they got lots of production in that one. Yeah, the, you're, right, and, you're right. And he's reading from a script yeah. as opposed to interviewing. Yeah, I guess I've listened to some of his uncut, some of the, he'll interview yeah, someone, yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll produce it, make an episode out of it, but then he'll play the uncut version, which you hear more of his interview style in that. Pat Flynn, Tim Ferriss, good interviewers. Tim Ferriss, I'm going to give, give you a couple of my categories, just... For the, uh-huh. anybody who's really dialed in with me and nerding out on hey, can we sending put, out sending out emails or looking for categories of lists. Can we put some of, of that list. stuff in the show notes? Absolutely. All right, great. Yeah. So watch I, here's for the what show I, Here's notes. what I try to include in the mm. emails I send with links, just real quick. Um, uh, my Sort of my top new ideas, just what I'm thinking right. about. Um, new podcast is definitely one every time that I'm, I'm looking for. Right. And these have to be new that I haven't introduced, introduced you to. Uh, new books, um, new lists. So this would be, you know, the Fortune 100 oh, okay. or the top creative people in business by Fast Company. Most or, influential women in corporate America. You got it. Like it's those kind of lists. Time 100. Those are, that always love tends, to, tends to get in there. New videos. So this would be something on YouTube. It could be, you know, funny or it could be actually So different really categories. Helpful. So you're not the book guy. And then new right? articles. New articles is yeah. always the one that has the most in it. And if I hit those segments, I'm helping people. And right. I try to I try to make sure I've got somewhat of a balance in each one of those. But you, you, this is so, this is so wrong that you're doing this because you, people can't subscribe to this. You they, only send this to. They can't right now, but maybe they should. Clearly, Clay isn't on the list. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, maybe. I'm not on. I'm definitely not on the list. Well, I would love. I would love to get this. <laughs> I, everything you just said, I'm like, well, I need all. I'm, no, I'm going to send it to awkward. you. No, I'm going to send it to him. <laughs> Is that why we're having this podcast is, right now? It's an intervention. It's an intervention, Clay. So what I probably should do is make it available in you some form of fashion to everyone. Yeah. yeah. And then still have sort of behind the, uh, you know, kind of behind the curtain. Well, there was nothing, there was nothing secret, I don't think, in no. the last list or whatever. So mm-hmm. why don't we just throw the whole thing into the show notes? We can. You I'll give, give you one of the. Beth. I'll give you one of the more recent emails I've sent out. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that we then, can put then in you there. get an example. First of all, it'll be really interesting to do a lot of click throughs. But I'm yeah. telling. This is my point to leaders listening. You can add value to people. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to to be intentional about 
about aggregating information and helpful links, articles, new books. Because all I do is I just ask people yep. and then I write it down. That's it. Like, well, and, and, then I put, and then I put it in the email. How you become, and Carrie, you've done this as well. Your four and a half years of interviewing people. Now, both of you have become experts on trends because people see you as somebody who pays a lot of attention to When things. I started doing the young influencers list in 2008, <laughs> I'm now 800 names into it. My wow. goodness. All of a sudden I became the young influencer yeah, and every time I talk to you, Got you're it. like, hey, I'm getting together with some young leaders or I'm doing this or I'm taking some young guns fishing. But I started whatever. doing the young influencers list because I was curious mm-hmm. and it forced me to actually be intentional about putting people's names down on a list of that were young and that were doing stuff that needed to sort of give it a platform. Well, it also makes you look because that could have been something really interesting for a couple of months in 2008 or when you were running Catalyst. It's like, well, I better know where the young influencers are, but you start to find people that you wouldn't find if you make it a priority. Yes, that's a good, yeah. So exactly just right. before we go to Clay on that, can you share one thing off your last list? I think you called it up on your computer that you found really interesting just so that we get a sample of it. Sure. Well, um, this is a total nerd article that nobody's probably seen yet. Uh, it just came out in Wired and it's about the mirror world. The mirror world. Do you know anything about this mirror world? This is brand new. Are you new. talking about digital mirrors? Well, it, This is what they're saying about the mirror world. The next big tech platform that is being made possible because of augmented reality that potentially could be as much of a game changer as anything ever in the history of the digital space. Meaning that the mirror world that that you think is out there that doesn't exist is now being built. So when when I'm sitting in this room and I see all this in front of me, Mm -hmm. that's a mirror world in another dimension that people are working on building right now. So in the AI world, I will be able to actually- Clay shaking his head and so am I. I'll be able able to experience everything I'm looking at. No, honestly, I'm shaking my head partly because I think when I first heard about virtual reality, I think I remember shaking my head in a similar fashion. So I don't doubt that that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Because especially if you've seen, uh, we were just together at Facebook and saw DJ Soto's presentation. Did you like that? Uh, I mean, it was mind blowing. It was mind blowing. There, that, Clay's not on the email like list, but I didn't get invited <laughs> I, to was Facebook. I, was I? Was my mind blown? Yes. Did I like it? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, what did you see? Uh, DJ Soto yeah. is a pastor. Um, he he's I saw oh, him he's on not CNN. A DJ. Yeah. Uh, he's not a DJ, though. You would. That's a You're great a name for a DJ. Yeah. Um, he. I saw him on CNN. They did a special on his VR church. Yeah. And you know, obviously, people have loads of theological challenges with it. I'm probably more, I, I, don't, I don't feel a lot of challenges towards what he's doing. I love what he's doing and I think it's um, smart and thoughtful and I think he's being, I think he's handling it really, really well. Um, and it's, I think he's trying to reach people. And mm. I mean, I, I, I love the simple, what is it? Like it's the beginning of first Corinthians, Paul's thing about, you know, uh, I plant and Apollo's waters, but it's God who makes people grow. And I think that's, that's the way I see somebody like that is uh, he's, he's planting or maybe he's watering. I don't mm-hmm. know, but eventually somebody's going to meet Jesus because of that, which I think is a really cool thing. But, but what he's doing is, I think it's really remarkable. Um, he's reaching a group of people that wouldn't otherwise be, that's exactly any of right. us would be connected with. Yeah. So you actually, have you gone to the, to the 
website or to the church no, experience? I've never put on a pair of oculuses. Oculi. Oculi? <laughs> I never, I, I never, I have I've not. been so close. You know, they, yeah. they had it at the airport flying down here and I'm like, eh, it freaks me out. Yeah. I don't know. But what was interesting is where, uh, it, the, the NBA All-Star game was last weekend and they yeah. did a couple of interviews. I saw interviews with a couple of players and something came up about Oculus and both players said, oh, of course we both have glasses. We, I guess they both play video games with the, but they made it seem like, it's normal. wait, of course you don't have a pair of Oculus. Yeah. How do you not? So I, um, anyway, so I'm shaking my head. I don't make 12.8 million a season either. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably, so there, there's that's another to do with that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Anyway, um, that, uh, just one example. Of no, but this is good, right? The kind of stuff and, that I want people to be thinking about. So you should all email your congregations or your companies about mirror about worlds. Mirror worlds. <laughs> no, but what that does, cross-disciplinary <laughs> learning, right? Yeah. It's like, well, that's really interesting. Yeah. And, and I love getting an eclectic range of input because it's going to make you solve problems in different ways. That's such so a Brad, point. we just launched a whole new career for you. Yeah. Here, just yeah, yeah, one more. Well, just because it's timely. Uh, this was an article about Jeep and they did a commercial that they built around social media. They didn't pay the 5 million plus for the Super Bowl ad, but they did it around the Super Bowl and they got more impressions than any of the Super Bowl ads. Whoa. And it was this really cool storyline. Actually, the Richards Group out of Dallas did the, they actually did the, um, the commercial. It's wow. powerful, but it was, it was a, it's a great- Remarkable. It's a great conversation starter about, you know, here's a, here's a brand that didn't pay five million, but still got more impressions, arguably, than anybody than else who did. who did pay that much. Because their because their their actual product that they created as a commercial was really good, and social media just spun it up and people kept sharing it and the power of social media. It's not Incredible. going away. It's no. not going away. So what's on your radar, Clay? Yeah, I, I I have tried to think of a better answer than what I have, but I am not. I'm not a super. Uh, I'm definitely not a super disciplined person and I'm not a super organized person. So I don't have a method um, that Brad, like what you just shared, that would save me so much time because I would keep that as an unread email and go to it. I'm going to start sending it to you. Thank you. Yeah, you're um, on the list. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I, uh, last year our team read, uh, it's called Inevitable. Uh, oh, The Inevitable by Kevin Kelly? Yeah, which that yeah, was so, yeah. I mean, that's a couple of years old, but it that is, was very challenging. He's so out there in the future, it won't be outdated for a while. I feel like it's still fresh. And, and, yeah. and back to the conversation we had about being a curator, I mean, that's part of what he says is that the, the internet is the world's largest copying machine mm. that basically anything that can be copied is going to be copied. And so it really changes, it makes you think differently about what we should value. Um, and, and to the, our, the Rethink Leadership Conference, what you said, the value proposition that you proposed at the mm. very beginning of this is, yeah. hey, you can hear the talk somewhere. What you can't get are the conversations and the relationships. Uh, the internet has changed that because yeah. you, you can get those talks anywhere. You cannot get the conversations you have at the affinity groups. His, his stuff on how to interact with AI yep. was mind-blowing. Do you yep. remember that part of the book? Have you read The Inevitable? Yes. Yeah. 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 Brad has too. And, and this whole idea that, you know, there could be this singularity point at which AI becomes more intelligent than the humans that created it. Yep. And then does it create a subservient race in us? And perhaps the best way, and he seems it's inevitable. He mm -hmm. thinks it's inevitable. That's so the, do many. That's, that's, he, he, he believes it so much that he called the book inevitable. What? <laughs> How did I miss that? Um, 
But, you know, this idea that you would cooperate with AI. Yeah. That, that really becomes a synergy between a higher intelligence and a lower intelligence. So my goodness, are the theologians there? No. Do you hear any theologian talking about the theology of AI? Well, I do hear certain people in the digital space talking about how they can get voice-activated technology to actually answer the question correctly when, it come, when, it, when you ask uh, Siri or Alexa, what's the meaning of life? I have asked I that question. What, I yeah, didn't what get a good Alexa answer. Say? Well, or, or who is Jesus? I mean, any, any theological, spiritual conversation. Oh, you're saying hey, there, Siri, are the, there are people the working on life. Let's see. I can't answer that. She ha. said she can't answer it. She and said I she can't laughed. answer that. She went, ha ha. She went, well, she ha, should ha. be able to. Yeah. And, so oh, are, oh, oh, it's funny. I can't answer that. It's with a K. Ah, clever, All the philosophy clever, majors clever. go. That's right. I that's a it. really clever that's right. joke. Emmanuel, that's, right. that's, a, that's a reference to Emmanuel Kant. So anyway, if you're writing a book right you, now, Siri. which you may be, are you, what, are you no, writing, are a, book you writing right a book Are you writing that white noise book? Uh, yeah, I've already turned it in though. What's it called? So it's called uh, How to Lead in a World of Distraction, Four Habits, that, four habits to Turn Down the Noise. Are you going to be the how to lead guy? I, I didn't want to be because. Um, <laughs> but the publisher, yeah. yes. you're getting yeah. it here first. You're getting That's it right. here first. Right. Maybe so. Anyway, Maybe. Um, back to what we were talking about. The no, Inevitable is no, 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 one no, no, of no, no, the. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Tell us about the book. Oh, so I have a new book coming out in September called How to Lead in a World, in a world of Distraction. The idea is basically there's so much noise in the world. And that's not a good thing or a bad thing. It is just a thing. I mean, there's more noise in the world than there has ever been before. Social yeah. media, uh, you know, I mean, even television, there's binging on Netflix. But I would also say just the power of the need for progress, the desire for certainty, the appearance of success, all of those are, those are, I feel like that becomes noise that leaders get addicted to that we need to turn up. And the danger with noise is that it keeps us from looking inside at what really, what would really help us grow as a leader. So I think part of why uh, this generation is the most stressed, worried, anxious, depressed generation ever is because of the noise. The noise distracts us from looking inside and dealing with what we really need to deal with. And so it's really a book to say, hey, if you want to lead yourself well, you have to learn how to turn down the noise so that you can pay attention to what's going on inside so that you can be ruthlessly curious of your emotions because your emotions are messengers. They're trying to tell you something. And if you never learn to deal with them well, you will never grow as a leader. The, the best leaders are the most emotionally healthy leaders, but you got to turn down the noise to get there. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, I'm ready to read it's it right now. Yeah, I'm, send me I'm, the I'm gonna send you my list of email <laughs> links. My email, my email with the links in it. Can you my send me My manuscript your... has a lot more words than your, <laughs> your, right. your, <laughs> your list of links has. Well, we'll have to have you back on the podcast to talk about I would specifically love to. that. The, the second thing I would say, though, about what I, mm. I, I try to pay attention, Brad, to what you're saying about um, not mainly the articles and the news and what, what companies are doing. I know for me, one that shaped me at the end of last year was Starbucks made a big announcement to uh, begin delivery at 2,000 of their stores. Yeah. And that was so impactful for me because, of course, they're not trying to make uh, application to the church world, but it absolutely does. Uh, their in-store business did not grow last year for the first time ever. It grew by maybe it, it, it either grew by a percent or declined by a percent, but it was there. It, it was flat. It was basically flat. Um, what is growing are the drive-throughs, uh, mobile ordering, 
catering and then now they're trying delivery, which just step back for a second. I want my latte delivered. Are you, I mean, come on, are you serious? Yeah. Like, can you even imagine? And I'm going to pay $8 for that. There's like a two or $3 surcharge on the delivery. So <laughs> I need a latte so bad. I'm not even going to go get it. I'm going to have them, I'm going to pay $8 for them to come get it. That that's, that's how valuable convenience is in our world today. Which also speaks to people staying at home. They're eating in, they're totally. not eating out as yeah. often. Uber yeah. eats. They're, they would rather, yeah. they would rather stay at home on the weekends. Yep. And pay more to get you to bring Netflix. me my food. Yeah, yes. that's right. Everything is now in the home or in the place where I'm safe slash yep. comfortable, as you said, convenience and convenience. Yeah. And, and they even talk about it in, the, in their press release. They talked about how we built our store around the value of community and community is just not near as much of a value for people. Now it doesn't mean it's not a need for people. And that's mm. as a pastor, that's what's challenging is I can't get distracted by what people want and forget what they need. Mm. But you got to start with what they want. You got to start with they want convenience. They need community. So let's let's create a pathway for them. Let's not uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, so that's like what uh, Judd Wilhite said too on a recent episode. He said that when they audited everything they did with their 20,000 attenders at Central in Vegas, he figures they're going to get two to three, I forget what he called it, but gathering points in public a month, period. So group that is makes one total of them. Sense. Yep. Group, if you go to group, like you're probably not showing up on the weekend. That's one. And Larry Osborne has been saying that for years. He, wow. I think, I don't know what Larry's number is exactly, but it's like this five day a week, you're going to be at the church every night. I mean, that died a long time ago. A long time ago. But this this idea that, and, and my, you know, on a very personal level, that's what my wife and I go through when I'm off the road because I spend a lot of time on the road. I don't want to go out. Like, I don't know how you've, well, you have five kids, different story, but well, like- Yeah, we're, we're home. We don't want to leave home. the house. <laughs> no, I don't want to leave the house either yeah, because yeah. I'm like, I have to eat out all the times when I'm gone. It's not necessarily healthy. Mm-hmm. It stops being, you know, I'm very grateful, but it stops being delicious and a treat all the time. And you just kind of want to fire up the big green egg and One cook of something smokes at your house. To, to, to this them. point, Clay, you know, the, there's a lot of companies talking about the last mile and think of the last mile in yep. quotations, yep. meaning the last mile to your home. That's right. And that's much of the conversation has been around the tech side of that. You know, right. the, the scooter services. You got it. Right. And not, and okay, it's, fill me in. I don't know about scooter services. Well, anything, I live in the middle of nowhere. Anything that would, that would help you fulfill your life of convenience around the last mile closest to where you live. Right. So that could be, you know, the, um, the fiber cable that you have for your internet. It could also be delivery services. Yep. It could also be the convenience by which you would go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. It's how close is a Starbucks. It's that last mile is what everybody's fighting over in terms of the, the corporations who actually add value to you from a personal product perspective. So can you, is there a connection to church world? I think there definitely is. There has to. What what would that be? Yeah, what would that be? (laughs) I I mean, I would say this. uh, Because we're doing the opposite. We're trying to vacuum people out of their homes. Well, we built, we built everything around the mindset of the, you know, we have to come to a destination. What if we were thinking about the, not just the, the last mile, but the, the area around your life that's closest to, where you live, and what if we started building things with that as the priority? So you're thinking micro campuses or what? I don't know. 
I just know that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, this I know is this. what's fun about these conversations. I, I mean, would, like would we all agree that Brad's like, steps. here's your answer. Mirror world. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's all about the mirror world. <laughs> okay. But are, are, you know, are we going to, are we going to see a trend go the other direction yeah. in terms of people's lives? Yeah. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. Well, or, or, okay. Just, just, just cause we're musing on this and none of this is scripted. Contrarian, are we the, and I'm not saying, Hey, we've got to vacuum people out of their houses five nights a week. I think those days are gone. But do we, are we able, and this, okay, this gets us into one of the trends for 2018, I think it was in my church trends post, we'll link to those in the, in the show notes, was uh, the death of downloadable experiences. Mm-hmm. That church has become exportable in the sense of we do three songs and a message, three songs and a message, three songs and a message. And our church was in that rut a few years ago. And, you know, my voice around the leadership table was, hey, I don't even want to come anymore. Like if that's all it is, if it's, if it's three songs and a message that is somewhat intellectual and I can access that on my phone or on a treadmill or on my bike with my AirPods, I'm just going to do that. And so that led to the conversation that we've been having for a few years that connects us about imminent versus transcendent, mm-hmm. about the rise of a more charismatic experience so that you really transcend the ho-hum and the mundane of your world, which seems like it's in constant siege and you create, which is, which is really part of the character of God. I mean, if you're creating a transcendent experience, it's not like, oh, that's just good marketing. No, you look at God, I mean, in the Old Testament, and I know it's the Old Testament, but I mean, you see this in the New Testament, in the transfiguration, you see it in the resurrection where Jesus is recognizable, not recognizable. All of his miracles are transcendent. All of his miracles, uh, the, yeah. the stories you read in the book of Acts, yeah, very transcendent. All of those experiences. This sure. isn't like, oh, here's five bullet points and yeah. two things you can try this week. No, they experienced something that went beyond this life. Thank you. Yeah, certainly. Thank you, Dr. Scrog. <laughs> so, so, well so all of our church experiences should be... no. I don't think all of them, but <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah. I mean, I think care. I mean, the thing I've learned, first of all, this is I, I'm, I'm a consumer. Okay. I am a yeah. consumer of the Carrie Newhoff podcast. We read all of your articles. Uh, we sit around and discuss them like so many churches that are listening or pastors that are listening. So we've been discuss- discussing all of these. I've been so eager to have this conversation about your trends. Um, I think what's what the one I probably agree with most is this one. Yeah, that, the, the transcendent imminent. Yeah, the, and, and, the, and I don't know how you connected that exactly language-wise to the downloadable experience, but mm. that's so well said that if your experiences can be downloaded, people will. <laughs> yes. They will eventually stop attending because they can get it because of the power of convenience. Right. So I don't, th- I, I don't know exactly, Brad, I cut you off before you finished your sentence. If you were saying all of the experience needs to be transcendent, no. But there needs to be something about it that is. There needs to be. That's what we're learning. Is there? There's got to be some element where that's live, authentic. You can't download that. You feel something in the room. And quite honestly, our church is not good at that. So well, this is we're, a we're in the same family, right? The North Point family. And I'm not naturally good at that. I'm. You're an attorney. I'm an attorney. <laughs> I'm going to win you on logic, okay? Right. I'm going right. to speak out of my head. I don't have a heart. I'm a lawyer and, uh, you know, never mind. But it's, is it, it's not, I mean, I, I, I struggle with even saying this, but I think a lot of pastors and church leaders would say, 
No, we need to gather because it's biblical. Oh yeah. And which is true. It is true. It's but true. Why is it biblical? There's the question. Yeah. And people don't do things because they're biblical. Now that's a, my, 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 I, I argue with my dad about this because I'll, he's been married for 40 years to my mother and they've got a great marriage. And I'll say, dad, why, give me the secret. Like, why are you married? And he's like, it's all about faithfulness and commitment. And I'm like, it surely it's more than that, right? I mean, <laughs> do you have any fun? Yeah, along like the way? I, and he's like a fun guy and they actually love each other. So yeah, I yeah. know it's not like they've yeah. learned to enjoy each other. They don't do it. I mean, they, sure, there's an element where they've taken divorce off the table, all that, but I, I don't- That's his answer because it, it's convenient. And it's it, convenient yeah, I mean, and it's, it's probably what he was taught. Right, but, somebody told him to say that that's at some right. point. Yeah. And I, I feel like the same thing is true. People don't, people want, they will not attend church for long. We don't follow Jesus because we have to. Hmm. We follow Jesus because we realize it's better, I think. And so I think people will eventually do what they feel like is better. So- I don't even know if trying to convince your people that it's biblical and that's why you should do it. And I know that Carrie, that's not why you were saying. You were saying no, we no. got to drill into, but why is it biblical? Which I think helps well, you I think, understand. I think that why is the question because otherwise, you know, it's not like when the scriptures were written or, or when God imagined humanity, He didn't look ahead to 2019 and go, oh yeah, those people. We don't know what we're going to do with them, right? Right. And right. and human need. I mean, I've done some recent research since didn't see it coming came out and uh, it's time for me to write a book this summer. But what's fascinating, one of the things I learned was if you look at all the generations, so from the elder or silent generation, whatever you want to call them, through to baby boomers and down to Gen X, millennial and Gen Z, uh, ironically, the level of tech connection is smallest at the top generation and okay. highest, surprise, surprise, with Gen Z. So like 99% of Gen Z is technologically connected. They're on 95% are on YouTube every day, you know, the whole deal. But then when you look at feelings of loneliness, isolation, mm -hmm. yeah. and disconnection. Is it proportional? Dis it's, it's inverse proportional. Right. So wow. it's the, the more you are on tech, the more you are connected on tech, the more isolated and lonely you feel, you would expect elders, you know, people 70 plus to, to be the most lonely, the most isolated, the most like, oh, my kids don't call anymore. And, you know, I'm all alone by myself and some of my friends have died. They actually feel the most connected mm -hmm. and they feel the most at peace. And, and the people who feel the least at peace are Generation Z, which is really interesting. So, you know, so to the that actual point. power of gathering then exactly. is more important than ever. That's exactly. Right. And that's Which the is why. To your question, why is it? But you're exactly. right. If your marketing thing, you're totally right, Brad. If your marketing thing is it's biblical to gather, uh, mm -hmm. you're going to get the three people who agree with you to gather. But if you can, again, try, and this is, goes back to where we started, a curator of information, a broker of meaning. If you can say to Gen Z, I know you're so hyper-connected, but Instagram makes you feel like crap because you feel so inferior to everybody else. Yeah. And Snapchat can be mean. Why don't we get together and why don't we create an alternate reality? You know, because there is an alternate reality. How, how are you all solving the issue of uh, anonymity with many people who would walk into a church? But as we're saying, deep down, there's a sense of starving for, mm. for connection, being known, is there something practical that you started doing that would say <sighs> we're moving people from walking in, you know, they hate the, they hate the transition point where you tell them all to find Turn somebody. Yeah. To somebody, By right. the way, put, 
time on the clock when you do that. If you're going to have to still do it, just put like three minutes and give them a question to ask. Yeah, Fellowship hour. Yeah. So we, we killed that a few years ago, that moment of greeting or whatever you want to call it, the welcome where everybody stands up and does the awkward, hey, we, we killed that um, because it was so weird socially. Nothing meaningful happens. Well, all it's, the data says that people hate it too, right? Everybody hates it. The only one that likes it is whoever is t- trying to transition out of the moment. Yeah, that's true. Worship right, leader right, or, right. you know. It brings, the, it brings energy to the hey, room. worship yes. leader, yeah. you can be sloppy for yeah. two minutes. Well, you do the transition. But I like Brad's but, thing. I mean, I think it's better to put a clock on it and give him a yeah. question. That's a better way to do it. Than, do you still do it, Clay, at North Point? Do we do, do it, a, but we do uh, maybe a version of what Brad's saying. We say, hey, we give Turn to somebody direction. and ask them a question. Yeah, hey, turn to somebody and tell them who you're, you know, who, who, who's going to win the Super Bowl or so Something we like that. stopped that and we started accelerating connection points. So now you are a week or two away from being at some kind of connection point at any Connexus location. So we, re- we resurrected Next. Remember that idea? Yeah. Do you still mm-hmm. do it? Uh, no. No, I know. North Point started it, killed it. We killed it. We brought it back and reinvented it as a connection point. Uh, we, we have really poured gas on like getting people connected. So it's kind of what... Uh, uh, the folks at Crosspoint were saying that the foyer moved. So yeah. 15 years ago, the foyer was your Sunday morning experience where yeah. someone's like, whoa, this is church. Man, right. I had no idea. Well, now they've all been watching. And if they right. haven't been watching you, they've been watching somebody and they come in. So we want to go, to quote Andy, further, faster. We want to move them relationally in the room faster. We want to turn the temperature up on the worship service so we're not you know, super charismatic in our theology, but we're, we're asking our worship leaders to stop singing and start leading worship. And we know that's going to leave some people out in the cold, but we haven't got 40 minutes of songs. We've got three songs or four songs. So, you know, we're getting more experiential. So this weekend, when I fly home, I'm wrapping up a series and we're talking about enemy love and we are actually bringing out crosses and people are going to write down their sin and they're going to write down the name of someone they can't stand. And they're going to come That's forward great. on Sunday morning, nail them to the cross, experiential feeling. If you're watching that on your iPad, yeah. you're missing you know something. you're missing yeah. something. It's not like, oh, I know those three songs. I played them all week while I was running. And uh, yeah, that was a good message. Thank you. So something that engaged doesn't... See, there, there's, a, there's a fine line. And, you, you know, with transcendent, because we've all seen manipulation of emotions... I've always thought there's two things. You can manipulate or you can evoke. So if I try to manipulate emotions in a service, whether that's through music, through teaching, or through whatever, I'm trying to make you feel something that you don't That you might feel, not feel. That right. you might not feel, and you feel icky at the end, or that's you right. feel you cheated feel or tricked yeah, or used right. or whatever. So that's manipulation. Manipulation is no point in this whatever. But but I mean, to evoke that's is something word. different. Evoke yeah. is, hey, that was in you. That was in yeah. you. Yeah. So you're pulling yeah. something out of people. Yeah, that's that, right. Yeah. My wife, if you get her in a room, Tony will just laugh and laugh and laugh because we sat down and one of the movies we watched a couple months ago was Christopher Robin. Now, it's a movie you would play your kids. Yeah, it's, I haven't it's, yet, but I hear good things. Oh, it's a fantastic movie. That's what I hear. But it's a story of Christopher Robin as an adult who's working too much and rediscovers his childhood. I'm bawling like a baby through like three quarters of that movie because it, it sort of parallels my story or whatever. And my wife's just looking over at me going, what's your problem, what Carrie? Mop it you? up. What leadership junkie? Yeah, yeah, I know. 
But because that was so parallel to my story, it didn't manipulate me. Yeah, it evoked something. It evoked. That's great. And so that was mm. real and that was pretty raw, but yeah. it was it was good. And I think you as as people who are charged particularly by God to do this, never want to cross that line between evoking and manipulating. Yeah. And what about the what about the lobby, the foyer, the you know, the the place where people are connecting, not because we're trying to connect them into something but they're just simply connecting. Is that changed at all at North Point no. more recently? No. It, cause there's, I mean, I, I think people linger longer. Yeah. I think there's, uh, there's more volume in there probably because I think to your point, Carrie, if, if I, I agree with you, I don't think that the, I think the four-year has moved. I think people are mm. more ready to um, meet someone, have a conversation with someone. Um, there, the, the the value of anonymity was probably more powerful 20 years ago than it is now. Yeah. That I think if people show up, they don't want to be anonymous. They're ready to to take a step. So I, the only thing we've changed, Brad, is I feel like we've been more aggressive. I think we used to be very passive. You know, hey, I, I almost see it as um, we, we, we would make you come and get it. You know, we were never right. going to put it in your face. And You I want think, to sit here for three years in the back, you go, go right it. ahead. We will never yeah. push you out of that spot. And I think now... We're a little more aggressive. That just feels like an opportunity for a lot of a lot of churches, whether you're small or big, is to put equal amounts of energy yep. and intention into the the experience that is not just the programmed experience. That's exactly right. But the 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 lobby, the the outside, the because people are ready, like you're saying. I think they're more ready to have a, a connection. And if if we facilitate that, I think people will actually do it. Well, my boss, Lane Jones, always says, you know, in a theater, you've got front of house, you've got the on stage, I guess, not front of house. You have the stage the, the, where the action happens, and then you've got the house, you've got everything else. And usually there's a stage manager and a house manager. And I think what you're talking about, Brad, it's for the longest time we paid attention to the stage and is the stage manager changing anything or making anything better, but it really needs to be changes that happen in the house that if people are ready, if it's no longer the foyer, then the, the rules that we once had in the house need to change probably. So I thought that was not to the detriment of what's happening on stage, but more to the benefit of both of those being equally important. Of people taking a step of people. Yeah. And the trend I hear some churches talking about is that they, they are being very intentional about building more room and, and more physical space in the foyer yeah. or the lobby. For people to connect. For people to actually connect. Yeah. yeah, I wish we had that. I mean, we opened our broadcast location, I guess, four years ago this spring. And we were limited by, so we have 26,000 square feet, something like that, which sounds like a ton until you actually try to move a lot of people through it. It's pretty small. And our lobby's small. But we made the steps really clear. We have, I forget what we call it. We keep changing the name, but it's either first time or new here. And then we've also got next steps. I think it's new here and next steps. So that's it. If you you cannot miss those and we are trying to move, it's not like, hey, if you've been here for like a year, you know, let us know you're here. It's like, we want, if this is your first Sunday, you go to new here and then we get you on a path to get into next or get into starting point. And then we've also got next steps if people want baptism, if people want to figure out whatever. So we are trying to facilitate that conversation earlier. I want, though, the place where I don't get funneled into something where I just, if somebody would say, hey, there's, there's seven 
uh, people that are in the same category and in industry, and they are uh, they they want to ask they want to talk about you know some leadership stuff. Like, Affinity. If we could get that, I know that's hard. With all the single moms. All well, the, that's what you the, know. The yeah. dating apps are figuring that out. I mean, now the the newest dating app is not only do you fill out a and if what your own affinity list of things that you're into, but then you also give them access to your social media and let them see who are you connected to, and can we make you know the seven degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon from you between this person? And I think that's what you're asking. But basically. People are doing that. And, and now we have so much information about people. We can do that. Yeah, we got more data than we've, we've ever had. had. But I think churches, um, we're more hesitant uh, to change. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I want to hear, hear what Clay disagrees with on your trends list. Yeah, I do. But I, can, can, we, can we leave that for another show? No. <laughs> what I, what I want to do, what I, what I seriously want to do is I want to ask you guys before we get into it, because I know there's some trends that you disagree with and I want to go there today. But attractional church, has it peaked? And if so, why? Dun, dun, dun. I have a whole episode no, with some of the cross. This is point great. This is the one. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I disagree with it. And first okay. of all, I don't know that there's a bigger Carrie Newhoff fan in the world than my wife. And behind her, <laughs> I am number two. She's a huge fan. Huge fan. Does she listen like oh, well, religiously. What, 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 uh, what context wife, is she listening? My wife is an interesting case study on. I mean, she is a stay-at-home mom. That is her full-time job. And there are, she has a podcast going at all times of the day. Wow. That is all she listens to. And she is more astute on podcasts than anyone else I know because that's all she listens to. But yours Incredible. is one of, she thinks you are a Thank fantastic you, interviewer. Um, I, I wouldn't disagree with it though, Carrie. I would just, I guess I would, we wanted to have a lot of conversation about clarity I would say the danger with the statement that attractional churches peaked and charismatic churches are growing, first of all, you rise and fall in your definitions. Sure. So I would start by saying the charismatic church, what do you mean by that? Yes. Not theology, I don't think. No. And I tried to say that in the article, we'll link yeah. to the article. This is not about theology. It's about a style or an expression. expression. I, almost, yeah. I almost used expressive. Yep. You know, yeah. tractional churches. How, how would you define it, style or expression, though? Give me some, give me some uh, hooks. What I really started to notice, and I'll tell you, this happened a few years ago. It's probably been happening long before I noticed it. Was that if you look at the under forty church leaders, they their worship. Pardon me, Clay Scroggins. Right Clay here. Scroggins. Here's one. Here's one we're looking at. Uh, yep. When do you hit forty? I've got another uh, fifteen months. All right. Well, that's good. So you're good for a year. Yep. That's great. Year. Yes. He's, he's in his mid-30s. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, keep going, Carrie. This is so, so good. So, yeah, I noticed that the worship leaders are really, like Elevation Worship, yeah. they're yeah. leading worship. They're yeah. not singing yeah. songs. Like I trained our worship leaders mm. to sing songs and to be sensitive to the guests. So I'm like, huh, there's that. Then I watched preaching. And listen, you know, anybody who's watched 20 minutes of sermon of mine knows that if you've read my writing or you listen to this podcast, I'm not like the guy who's going to get you to cry on the in minute three of, of the message. That's not my style. But I watch preaching really get re-elevated even over teaching, which would yeah. be more natural style. So I'm watching that and I'm going, huh, what's going on here? And then, of course, there's the talk back you get from the audience, which, yeah. which tends to be, you know, black church in many cases, but also happening now across churches with a far more, and that, that was always Pentecostal charismatic as well, 
And so I'm watching that, but it's not, it's not what I saw as a kid. It's not what we saw in the 70s, 80s, 90s in charismatic circles. It's almost a neo. And again, I almost used the word neo-charismatic, and then I looked that that was an actual theological strain. I'm like, well, not going to go there. Mm. But what I mean is we have done a very good job of creating suburban churches, and I include myself. I'm not pointing the fingers beyond me, where people can just kind of sit and understand and hear and listen and maybe be persuaded. And we have seen massive life change through that. Like, don't get me wrong, massive. But what has happened, particularly as we've gone multi-site and our churches have had to be simpler in their format, is we've stripped away a lot of the emotion. We've stripped away a lot of the unique surprises. And some of that's appropriate. But we've, been, we've ended up with just an attractional church that seems to be falling flat. An attractional is really the kind of church that that we do in our right. world. Me and That's you, not, not necessarily it. Brad. Not Brad. Brad's not attractional in the least. I would say. Well, I'm hmm. kidding. I would. I would definitely lean. I would definitely lean uh, more Charismatic. towards the expressive mm-hmm. side, based you on your definition. Yeah. Not not based on theological. And I, I just based on the church that you choose to. Yes. Gather with is more expressive. No, it's more expressive. So I'm watching that. I'm not saying every charismatic church is growing. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but it's like there've been numerous conversations with churches of different sizes and geographies who, who would be what we would call a tractional church who are saying, yeah, we're not growing at 10% a year anymore, or it's flat or and, and again, I don't want to steal the thunder of the Crosspoint team, but I did a few interviews with their team, which will be on this podcast this spring, that are fascinating in that regard. And I think there's a million reasons why the attractional church arose as it did in sort of the post-seeker sensitive. Like yeah, it, is, right. it is the next gen yeah, of is. post-seeker it sensitive. Is. It is where the non-missional churches after missional sort of came and went from a noun to an adjective. And then it became yeah. something we all do, right? And, and that was sort of a tractional church. But I just sense that the epoch has, is, is waning a little and there's something else emerging. And that's all I'm trying to put my, my finger on. And I don't fully understand it either. So, but I'd love to hear what you, you think, Clay. Yeah. So those are the definitions, very poorly defined. No, that's excellent. I would say, I guess the thing that scares me about the statement is it mm-hmm. feels like, it feels binary. It feels sure. uh, like... If you are trying to use methods of attraction, so if you're trying to speak language that a person who doesn't care about church would speak, which I guess is a method of the attractional church, um, that there are some there's some value in that. Um, I would also say there's some things about the expressive charismatic churches that might not be healthy as well, and so it's not. Um, I guess it, it it makes me nervous to feel that y- you would lead someone to adopt all of it and disregard all of it, which you, the thing I love is you can't take responsibility for that anyway. No, if somebody's no. going to do that blindly. Um, so here, here's the yeah. question I have for you. What is your greatest fear under that? Yeah, I guess my, that I, I think there is still something in churches that, uh, or that I, I think I think it's healthy for churches to think through how do we reach lost people, and it feels if I, I guess I don't want us to lose that, mm. and if we if we just become you know um, 
trying to create experiences where we feel something. You know, there's really two, there's two avenues to reach someone. There is a logical pathway of the head and some people need that and some people were reached with that. And then there is the impassioned feeling of the heart. You know, I was moved by something and both of those are needed. And if we, if we lose the, there are some people who need a rational, logical uh, pathway of explanation of what is this um, I just don't want us to throw all of it out because it seems like uh, there because of a statement like that. I guess I think that's I, really fair. What I do give you think, it, I give an example because I I think what we're saying is both and uh, neither or. It's the same what you've said, Clay. About you know, is it digital? Is it online church or is it right. in person? Yes, and yeah, it's it's both. Um, but Life Church is a great example in this way around this attractional and charismatic expression, they, mm -hmm. they have at the movies, at the movies at its core is a strong attractional, very attractional series. Right, right. Strongly uh, attractional. Pretty, capital A, exhibit yeah. one. Exhibit exactly. one, yeah. yes. But there's also, when you walk into a live church gathering, you know, when you watch Craig teach, when you listen to the feedback from the crowd. He uh, does all of what you're saying in a way. Yeah. I mean, I think there, he's more a, of a preacher type. You got it. So I think that's a good example of, of moving towards the intersection. And that's the way I would define it mm. is the churches that seem to be moving towards the intersection of not just attractional and charismatic, but actually, actually um, exegetical and expressive. You know, the, the idea that Matt Chandler calls himself a Baptocostal now. Yeah. You know, Matt Chandler would have been, has been known for years as a deeply reformed Bible teacher that, uh, you know, if you walked into their church, the village church, you would say this is definitely more on the exegetical, but they're becoming more expressive which because he, they're trying to move, I think, towards that intersection. And caught so much flack for that, which I hated. I thought that was... Right, yeah. And then you see, I think you see some charismatic churches, deeply and historically charismatic churches that are actually moving the other direction saying, we're not going to be less expressive, but we're going to be, we're going to be more biblical and more based around the exegesis of the text and of scripture. And that's where I just, I, the churches that seem to have the most influence seem to be at that place where if you walked in, you wouldn't know which one they were. Right. No, I think, I think those are really fair comments. Craig on a previous episode of this show, and we'll link to uh, them in the show notes. I remember asking Craig about this before I wrote the article. Uh, I said, hey, it seems to me that you've become more charismatic or at least more passionate. You know, in your teaching. In, in his teaching Preaching. and also in their style of worship. Like it is full-on worship now. It's not like seeker-sensitive this or see. And, and he said, yeah. And I said, well, how did that happen? And I'm paraphrasing here. I'm going from memory. So, Craig, if I got it wrong, I apologize. <laughs> you know, but you could listen to the original interview. Craig, Craig said... He said about a decade ago, he found that his his own personal passion was waning a little bit. And it was like he put the paddles on himself and revived the heart. And out of that came a more passionate form of preaching, more passionate form of worship. And you've seen even Judd Wilhite. I don't think I've spoken directly to Judd about this on this podcast, but at Central Vegas, they're a different church than they were a decade ago and have done this. And to your point, I think I said this in the article, but you know my articles are thousands of words and no one reads to the end and I need to do a better job expressing <laughs> myself. Uh, but I yeah. think I think to your point I couldn't agree more. 
that, that there is, there can be a weirdness in the charismatic that is not attractive to anyone. And I also agree, what's the opposite of attractional church? Well, I hope it's not repulsive. Yeah, I hope right. we, don't, we don't want to create repulsive church. We don't want to create a church nobody wants to attend or a church that's so insensitive to outsiders. In fact, whether I said this or not, I'll write another post on it at some point this year. I think the people who are best positioned to capitalize on this shift in culture and this need for the transcendent are leaders doing attractional church right now. And leaders who are in that school that you described who said, hey, we need to become better students of scripture perhaps, or we have to perhaps become more sensitive to the fact that what's happening at the front. And leading more towards the head. And leading more heart. towards the heart. And I think where we find, it's not the middle, but we've, where, we, where we can hang in the tension of imminent and transcendent, where we're aware that there's a house and we're aware that there's, you know, we're in the presence of a holy God and, and that we're, we're, we hold that intention. I think when we do that, great things can happen. I my really question do. is, is I want to, or my statement is I want a hundred percent of both. Cause I, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, think I do. that I, honestly, I, I, do too. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree yeah. with that. Uh, why, why limit me on either side? Right. You know? Yeah. I want all of God. Yeah. Wow. And I well love, uh, I, Russell Moore talks about the, the power of the church staying weird. Mm. And I think there's something to that, that there's, there are some things that we do that's just weird and we probably don't need to, sh we certainly don't need to shy away from it. And we need to probably explain that well to people, but we, it is, it's weird what we believe. I mean, resurrection mm. alone is an odd thing. Yeah. So I, I do think there's something to staying weird. And I think attract, the danger with attractional churches is uh, we have a tendency to run away from anything that feels weird, even though it might be true. Um, mm -hmm. And that's... Yeah, and God cannot be controlled, but to some extent he can also be, he's not completely incomprehensible, right? So, so it's that. And, and one of the yeah. things the attractional church has done with that more you know, intellectual style is... We, we have made previous, there was, there was a style to preaching a generation ago that was unnecessarily complicated mm -hmm. and unnecessarily indecipherable. And I think the attractional church has done a beautiful job. Uh, and we still get that comment. I mean, I preached on Sunday and people are like, wow, that was so clear. Good. I want it to be clear, but I don't want it to be simple. That's right. And I don't want it to be easily explicable, but I want you to understand what I was trying to communicate. That's really important. Anything else you really disagreed with in the church trends? Because that's no, a fun thing to 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 chase. That down. was the main one. I think okay. the one that I that I agree with most is the uh, moving away from polish and which which one connects with polish that and one? passion. Yeah, polish sure. and passion. I yeah. think that 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 one makes more. That one makes the most sense to me because it feels so deeply connected to people's experience in life. That there is, because we are so marketed to, there is this fear of, uh, are you lying to me? Are you just brushing something up to make it seem real when it's not actually real? And so um, the authenticity that I get from you is what is actually most attractive because it makes me believe you. If you're not afraid to talk about your warts, then I can believe you about where we ought to be headed in a way. So I, that one's probably the one that I resonate with most. The principle, I, I, I noticed yeah. uh, I caught you this weekend on the North Point stream and you brought up somebody uh, yeah. out of the crowd. Yep. 
which was very unprogrammed, unplanned, yeah. or it seemed like that it was true. Was, yeah. yeah. But the authenticity in that moment yeah. was incredibly uh, moving just yeah. to, to have that sense of we're yeah. off the script right now. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I, I think so. The point there, just to be clear for everyone listening, is that passion beats polish. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing because, again, the democratize the the internet has been incredibly democratizing, because graphic design used to be really expensive, mm-hmm. hard to do, to even market your church. Like nobody had those conversations thirty years ago. Nobody. Maybe if you were a huge church of and a huge church thirty years ago was two thousand people. You know, then maybe you had professional designers. You had a professional copywriter. But I mean, I'm old enough to remember desktop publishing when that was what they used to call it, right? You can do this right off your desktop. And of course, now you live in an age where any 13-year-old with a with an iPhone yeah. can create graphics that look oh, every yeah. bit as good as anything any ad agency would put out. And you have personal branding and, you know, everyone's into got their own Instagram look and, and this, that, and the other thing. And, and I think what's happened is churches quickly got in on the marketing thing going, oh, we can do this too. So as the cost went down yep. and accessibility went up, everyone says, oh, we can market, we can market, we can market. And so we're marketing and we've got all this polish and our bands got better and our sound got better and our graphics got better and our look got better and our style got better. But sometimes, you know, and nobody did that for bad motivation, I don't think. But it can leave people feeling slick and impersonal. No, so slick is a great, I mean, slick is a terrible word, but it's a great yeah. descriptor, I think, yeah. of what people can feel. Yeah, and they're like, I want to know, and particularly because of what we talked about already, you know, people retreating to their homes, people, people inundated with information that they, they can't handle. They're now at the point where they're like, would somebody please, like even porn, porn has, re- like now it's just exploded everywhere. It's so easy to get. It's a female problem, not just a male problem. And it's desensitized us to the reality of other human beings. Yep. It's, de- it's to the point where people have trouble being intimate with other people sexually. And we're, and we're right. not just automatically trusted being leaders anymore or pastors. Right. Oh, yeah. The average person walking in may look at you as a pastor and think, Poor guy couldn't get a job. Well, or or I I don't I don't automatically yeah. trust you like that's I right. once did. Yeah, yeah, because of how much all the scandal that's happened in the last ten years. Yeah. I, I say, listen, is from post Christian Canada. Poor guy couldn't get a real job. That has been my reality for twenty five years. You were a lawyer and you did what? It's like I guess it didn't work out, right? Nobody what, says that, yeah. but that's what I think they're. But thinking. I think this is a. I think this is important for you know anyone who is on staff like the. The assumption that you're trusted or that people believe you automatically now, uh, especially for somebody who might be new, is, is you have to you have to bridge that gap of authenticity. Yeah, you, you actually have to walk across that bridge and make them, and you have to be intentional about making sure that they believe you. You know, a really good book for that, if you want to drill down on that, is John Maxwell's uh, Five Levels of Leadership. Probably my favorite book he wrote, mm-hmm. not his best known, but my goodness, it's so good. And it talks about- you remember the five? Uh, I'm trying to I remember might, them right now I might be able it. to. I might be able to. I've, I've taught this book I've before to my it. staff. I couldn't name one of the five. It's, it's fantastic. It's very so good. It's, well, it's, I'm intrigued. Is, what is it? It is, so you start with your title, but that's not what he calls it. Go Google it, Brad. Hold on. Yeah. Can we hit pause and, and can we hit pause? No, we'll just keep talking. We'll just keep just talking. keep dancing because this is authentic. How many books this has John edited? Maxwell wrote? 
I don't know. Written. The 21 irrefutable laws of my 21 books. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the dude I'm is a legend. Uh, he, he, is is a, legend. he is a legend. What he are the five legend. levels? Because it's so good. And this speaks exactly to go. what you were talking Here about, Lamine. Here we go. What do we got? We got the, uh, okay, number one is Positional? position. Oh, wait, wait, let's see. Position? You got, you got that one. Okay. And then. Number two is. Is there progress? No. But it is a P. Because John's the king except, of uh, except for legacy. Permission. Permission. Yeah. Number, I'll just go. Number three is production. Right. What what does that one mean? Uh hold on. Let me just a little bit. This is a precursor to how me, to leave when me, you're not. Let me in close yeah, in on, let me close in on the definition here. Uh per, permission okay, is basically so, I'm giving you permission to lead me. Yeah, so position People follow is, because of what you have done for the organization. That's yeah, production, production is competency. Oh, I see. Competence. Yeah, you're really good so, at it. And I'll follow so you. So the, the, the trajectory is this. He and then level four is personal and level five. Level is four is people development. People meaning development. you you okay. yeah. And then level so five is nothing. level five is pinnacle. Pinnacle. Oh, he did turn it into... See, I remember nothing. Okay. People follow you because of who you are and what you represent. That's the ultimate expression, the pinnacle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it starts at, I have a title. Yep. And it gives you almost no influence. Yep. Like Pastor X. It's like your pastor number eight of, yeah. you know, in the last and, 15 and, years. And half of them had a moral failure. So. Exactly. Right. So you have zero credibility coming right. in and I don't know you. But then you move beyond that and and you start to get into permission where you start to lead with a little bit of influence and then you get into production and production is wow look at these results look at the growth oh, look at yeah. look at all the volunteers we've recruited there's that's where most there's of us momentum end. and that's where most people end your competency takes you to that level your competency will take you there but then you get into what's level 4 what's he call it personal people development people development people, people development you can, you can really raise up another leader where you become you become a better person because yeah. i was your boss yeah where, where you're like, wow, this isn't just we're producing stuff at work for the mission, but like I am leading better at home, yep. I'm a better dad, I'm a better wife, I'm a better husband, I'm a better friend, better citizen. My relationship with God is better. And they're like, I am better because you led me. And then level five is kind of a legacy, a pinnacle where you are developing and mentoring people that you'll never meet, that you don't really know because your influence has moved beyond your proximity and your position to a regional or national or global One level. Good exercise. Uh, compare John's five levels to Jim Collins' good to great, the five oh, levels in good to great. You know, I hadn't does done it map? That. Uh, there, there are some definite similarities, oh, but it's a really good exercise to that would be good sort exercise. of look at the, because ultimately the pinnacle compared to what Max or what Jim Collins would say, the, you know, the, the ultimate expression of a leader, which is that humility. Humility. Uh, humility is what he would say is at the top. Level of four, level five. And, and that ties right back into passion over polish because polish doesn't have humility. Mm -hmm. Slick doesn't have a transparency to yep. it. And so I would say, I remember Jonathan Pokluda, JP, I interviewed him at the beginning of the year yep. on this podcast. And he said he got the most response at the porch, yep. which is the largest young adults when ministry. He apologized. Yep. When he started a message saying, hey, yeah. Oh, oh, I was struggling with something today. I was, yeah. He, I think it was an Instagram. He yeah. said, I clicked on a hashtag I shouldn't have, and I looked too long. Hmm. And I just need to get, he's saying this in front of thousands of people. I just need to get that off my chest before yep. I, I, I lead us tonight and I speak. And he said, the line after he said that was just so huge. And you can't fake that. No. But I mean, that's real life, yep. right? And people want to see. It's like this, this is, I was, I was thinking while we're in the middle of this conversation, 
this is the vision I had for starting this podcast. Because you and I know, we all know, these are the kinds of conversations, the good ones that happen in green rooms and backstage and over lunch and over dinner where you're just shooting ideas. And I would always leave those conversations and say, gosh, I wish our staff could have heard that. Our elders could have heard it. I wish everyone could have heard it. I wish my friends could have heard it. And I thought, well, why don't we just bring that kind of thing to a podcast and go? But it is that behind the scenes, like there's no, yeah, we got some really good points here, but we're in the middle of this, you know, up to our eyeballs trying to figure it out together. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. that's what this culture is about mm -hmm. rather than, here are my five magic uh, bullets that are going to make everything better in your in your world. So that's what I really appreciate. Did you yeah, did you have this. some other things you disagree with with Carrie? Mm -hmm. No, it was mainly the first one. The, I mean, it was, well, it was it, so bad he didn't need to no, disagree no, no. with anything else. No, I, here's the here. I guess this would be the second one. <laughs> you're wait, pushing. You're no, just pushing. Is, but wait, this is there's one of, more. This, this is a good leadership. Uh, I know it is. Lesson you right dug here, deeper, which yeah. is you, when you give people more permission, they That's will right. actually bring their well, whole actually, list. Actually, there's out. a They're lot like, more. Well, like, okay, mm -hmm. you finally. I, I did bring my list of all the things that bug you, that bug me about you. Yeah, I think the thing. Well, the I guess the question I have is, are there? Do we know of charismatic churches that are, or more expressive churches that are growing? Because what I, what I hear from people that I am friends with that are at more expressive churches is the churches that are growing for them are their newest ones and not the, you know, the, in the business world, they call that your same store sales are not mm -hmm. growing. Um, and so that's what I wonder is, are there churches that have, you know, their original longstanding oldest campuses that are growing. I think those are two different questions though. I agree. One is multi-site would be the assumption there, right? Or multiple locations. Um, I mean, well, in general, it isn't inherently multi-site. I, there aren't many churches that I can think of that are not multi-site. Well, Hillsong, Hillsong, whether that's multi-site or multi-church, I, I don't know how you want to describe right, it. Some right. of them like, I mean, there are multiple locations in I think, New York and Toronto. I would say there's some examples of churches that would be more charismatic in nature that have recently launched or they're a couple of years in, they've, they've still got one location. Right. Okay. They may have an online experience. They are growing. Yeah. The question of we have multiple campuses or multiple sites now, and we're dealing with the question of same store sales, as you said, I think that's pretty systemic. Well, and I guess that's lots of, Maybe that's what yeah, I was trying to say. No, I think I think it's fair, and and I mean I've asked some Hillsong, Hillsong comes to mind. Obviously, they just announced a whole bunch of new locations, new cities, which oh, is I didn't great. See that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was like twenty four. In, hours in old. the U.S. or in Canada or all both? over the world, U.S. Oh, oh, wow. uh, I don't know about Canada. I just I saw it on the social feed. That's but. the last place they're going to come. <laughs> they just launched in Toronto. Oh, I was kidding. Okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Damien and Julie. Yeah, <laughs> I know you guys. So, so uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me because I've asked that question. And then to, to be totally transparent, the other question is, well, are they just vacuuming up kids who are raised in church who are now attending and, as young adults? Yeah, and they're in, doing it in a more appealing way. And they're doing it in a more appealing way. So here's my answer throughout that is, number one, I don't know. Number two, I don't know that they actually track that information. But number three, if you've got thousands of 25-year-olds in New York City yeah. gathering on a Sunday morning, yeah. 
my hat's off to you. Yeah, because you're, yeah, you're doing something. I don't right. think every single one of those kids would be in church if it wasn't for yeah. Hillsong yeah, New York. Totally ditto agree. in Toronto. Ditto in yeah. in all the cities. So we we are moving into a post Christian era. So I am not going to critique churches that are growing. The other thing I would say, and I think you're fair, same store sales, so to speak, are a struggle everywhere for almost every model. Where and what we mean by that is the original campus, the broadcast or campuses. Campus, campuses aren't growing at the rate that new campuses are growing so that a lot of the new churches, a lot of the growth that you see in church world is via new locations, which is true at North Point, which is true, you know, our- our It's true at Passion. Yeah, Yeah. true at Passion. However, and, and this is where I would probably say it, when you look at what all the kids are doing, you look at the models that are being planted. Yeah, and no, I, I think, would agree with that. I think if you look at under 40-year-old church planters, what and particularly kinds under what kinds of churches are yeah. they planting, they are planting more expressive churches. Yeah, yeah that's Plain fair. and simple. Yeah, you're right. And so it's kind of like it reminds me of 13, 14, 15 years ago when there was that real, remember, I'm a Mac, I'm a PC. There was yeah. that real battle yeah. between oh, Mac yeah. and PC. Yeah. And, and one of the arguments, because Apple had been sputtering on the sidelines for 20 years yep. and people were like, seriously, you guys are still around? Mm-hmm. But all the campus kids had Macs. So you go to any college campus, it's all Apple logo. You go to any corporate environment, it's all Blackberries and, 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 and PCs and, and yeah. IBMs. And uh, I was like, watch out. And now, you know, who knows whether Apple has peaked or is on the, you know, yeah. whether it's just a hiatus or whatever, but Apple has gone mainstream. So when you look at college campuses yep. and you start to look at what are all the kids doing, I think it's the expressive yep. churches that are, that are being planted. And I throw a new trend in that I'm seeing. I want to get you 100%. your feedback on it. Um, and this, is, this has been happening for a while, but I'll give you an example. Uh, when you watch iTunes every Friday, how many of the new albums that are in the top 100 in the Christianity section are so-and-so worship, meaning church XYZ worship album. Well, and just the idea that the local church has become the, actually the place of expertise and knowledge and thought leadership so this shows up with conferences that people go to now. Oh yeah, they're, are, they're, they're, are more they're, about going and seeing how that church does what they do. Drive is a great example that's been around for a long time. Inside Elevation is a mm. is a great example. More recently, uh, all these music albums that used to be you had to go to a label, you had to go to you know whatever the whatever the engine was that drove the industry, and nowadays if you're a church, you just launch your own worship album. So true. Same with education. So there are now 120 extension sites of a university out of Florida, Southeastern University, yeah, Southeastern. that said we will, we will bring accredited, uh, you know, higher level education to the local church because most students want to stay in that local church and actually get the, the expertise and be around the team and they want to work there. So all of a sudden we went from sort of the ivory tower or these worlds that we couldn't, they were hard to get into to now all the opportunities have come really to the front door of the local church, music, books, podcasting, knowledge, uh, education, et cetera. What do you make of that? Bring some meaning to that, Carrie. (laughs) <laughs> no, you know what? That's a fresh thought. And you're right, because as soon as you said it, I'm like, well, of course that's what's happening. 
you know, it's happening right before your eyes. But, but I think, okay, my initial thought is, what does that mean for, I mean, denominations used to broker that. Record labels used to broker that. Exactly. The they, middle there man. Used to be, the there used to be man. a middleman. There used to be yeah, a broker of meaning. Now. Yeah. And, and seminaries used to, like you look at Southeastern, I was just there recently and it's huge. We're doing a little snap here for uh, mm-hmm. Clay's. Is this your Instagram? Here we are. So you'll see that moment. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I do think that, that that means for the old power brokers and, you know, it's interesting. Like even even this podcast is amazing because normally I host it out of my basement of my right. house, right? So your ability, and I think this should be an encouragement to anybody on the local level, is like you don't need a million dollars and and some guy sitting in a C-suite somewhere or woman buying into you anymore. You can make things happen. And that's that's I'm gonna have to think about that. Clay, your take on that? I think the college thing. I think I'm most interested in that one because I do feel like uh, younger churches are using that as a way to uh, identify leaders. To leadership pipeline. It, it is a leadership pipeline. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part that, uh, but, but the, the, the thing that worries me is as a parent, I don't know that I would want my kid going to those schools, but I don't, I don't know enough about them. Tell so me why. Yeah. Is that because know. you want them to go to I want them a, to go a reputable school? A reputable school or it feels, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of public education. So yeah. I like the, I think there's a real great value in secular education, but. Um, in terms of getting out into the real world, yeah, you might say. Yeah, yeah, understanding people, understanding people's needs. And that's not to yeah. say that if you went to Liberty, you can't understand people's needs. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. there's great schools. Well, but, and you're a DTS grad. Yeah, right? I went to seminary, sure. Yeah. I, I think the lesson, at least for, whether you're a pastor of a church of 500 or 200 or 15,000, um, as a leader, you have more opportunities than ever to actually be able to get into the game, M- mm. meaning that you you can That's have a, great, a voice That's a great in point. the conversation. And whenever somebody says to me, but Brad, I don't, I don't have resources. I don't have the platform. I don't have, I'm like, well, what are you talking about? I mean, you, 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 all those barriers have been destroyed. Yeah. So you can get in the game. Chase it's just the rapper. It's just whether mm, you're willing. Label. It's whether it. it's whether you're willing to do the hard work. That's right. No, so I, I, we it. were having this conversation in a different form last night at dinner with Reggie Joyner, and we were trying to put our finger on what was happening in the culture and everything. And I, I came up with this metaphor. I don't know whether it's any good, but it's like when you look at the church in North America. Was that a name drop, by the way, Clay? Was that a Carrie Newhoff name drop? With I mean, Atlanta. Drop. Dinner with names. Reggie Joyner. This is, like, this is Uncle Reggie's room. We're oh, recording yeah, yeah. this. So yeah. I, I've, I've got to show respect. It's right. You're one of Reggie's favorite sons. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> you are. We're only a few years apart. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're like the, you know, you're maybe the cousin. The one cousin, of his favorite cousin, cousins. Oh, that cousin. I'm <laughs> yeah. that guy. You're the Canadian cousin. So what was but he it's saying? Like, so in, 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 in post-Christian America, post-Christian yeah. Canada, the West... Um, it's almost like a lot of the grass has died and, and you've got this brown field where a lot of it is withering, a lot of it is dying, but there's these green shoots poking up. Oh, that's beautiful. And these green shoots are just kind of popping up. So Southeastern, just to name them, would be a good example of a seminary that's like got a lot of green shoots coming out or elevation worship or, you know, what, what's happening with Bethel worship or, um, you know, new campuses. They're, they're, they're popping up. The local leadership are popping up. And I think it's going to be really interesting because I think there is a different order and I think there is a different day emerging. And we are so in the middle of it. 
Our children will be much better. Your kids, who we've now referenced at a historic level on this podcast. Mm, multiple times. They, they will be in a much better position to go, well, of course, Dad, that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. You didn't see it? Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, we kind of missed it. Mm-hmm. But that's why I love having these conversations. Guys, I can't believe it. It's been 90 minutes. Wait, can I throw one more you out? You can throw whatever you okay. want. Here's we're going to go this long is, into the night. This is something that just happened to us that I think is worth paying attention mm-hmm. to. Or we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. So we, uh, we've been trying a lot of digital groups lately. Oh, wow. Um, so I could show you the map of Amer- of the world of our last, we, we, we ran a, a round of these at the beginning of the year. We had uh, about a hundred spots. They all filled up in about a week. And hundred spots in one group? hundred spots over about 10 groups. So people from all over the U.S. and from mm-hmm. multiple places in the world. Um, super cool. That was very exciting. Then we launch our local long-term group. So these are you know, it's, it's, a, it's a menu. You go to a website, you can look and see, uh, do I want to be in Jim and Susan's group in Duluth? And you can click on their name and see a little bit more about them. It's a great platform. I love what our digital team has done. We launched out of that, all of those were physical groups, hundreds of them. There were two opportunities to get into digital long-term groups. It got over, both groups filled up and then we had a waiting list of 200 people. Wow. Half of those people are in our database. They're local. They're they're a part of our church. In other words, and 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 of, of those, uh, the majority of those had been in a group before. In other words, they looked at all their options. Could I get in a physical group with these people in this part of town? These people on Monday night, which would work better for me? Or they said no. I want to be in a digital long-term group. Is this that last mile we were talking about? I think an it hour is. Ago, I think it's think? a convenient thing. Yeah. You know? And some I was telling somebody about it, and they were like, "Well, gosh, you know, you've got young kids." Would you really want to? Would you really want to put the kids to bed and then get on some, you know, video spot and connect with some other people? And of course we would. That sounds way easier <laughs> right. than having to get a babysitter and leave. Yeah. And so that's been fascinating to me. I oh, think yeah. it's it's it is where the merge of. Uh, I think we all we always thought well, all the digital stuff we're doing are for people that aren't in the Atlanta area. But it's been yet another example of, no, this is not a, do you live close to a church or not? This is what do you prefer? And convenience is trumping everything right now. That's fascinating. Yeah, and back to that thing that you said earlier, Brad, the answer to digital or analog is yes. Yep. Right? Yeah. And and it may be that somebody is sitting there going, I, I can't wait to get out of my house and actually connect with a real human being. And the person next door is like, that's the last thing I want to do. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm on on Zoom calls half my life these days. It's I, just I like think so too, many of my meetings are virtual. Going back to the digital or in person, you know, the physical or the or the online, um, some of that comes back to what are we what are we calling people to? And if I see as a as a lay leader, which I am in a local church expression, my job is to serve. My job is to help produce and serve and create. My job is not to consume. Mm-hmm. And if I see my job as a producer, creator, and a host and a servant, then I'm going to call myself to a higher level of participation. But if somebody said, well, you have to choose one or the other, I would say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, I have to choose one or the other because my level of, of connection and contribution that I'm willing to make is all, that, that trumps all the other conversations that we're having. So... It's but just, you're I, saying if somebody gets in a digital group, that's a lower level? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Oh, okay. I'm saying 
that that's that might be the wrong question we're asking. Yeah, yeah. I is see. that the best expression or the best um, reflection of yeah. your of your willingness to be to say I'm part of this house. I'm yeah. I'm part of this yeah. local expression of a church. Because somebody who, who wants to get in the digital group is they're they're giving. Yeah, well, they might they're be. Serving. They might be fully engaged. Right. They're 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 hosting. They're inviting people. Yep. I mean, all the other measurements. Um, but maybe they're they're you know just on this one thing. There's a level of their life that they say that just doesn't work right now. Well, and ultimately, you know, you ask a great question, Brad. It's like, what are we in the business of? We're in the business of introducing people to Jesus and helping them get to know Him in this life, like leading them into a growing relationship, and that can happen online. That can happen in real life. And I think the wise church leaders are the ones who are watching what's happening and not reacting to it because you can be reactionary, but responding to it. To say, if you're just standing there saying, as you said, hey, it's biblical to gather. Well, let's nuance that a little Mm. bit because it is. Let's redefine gathering. What is gathering? Uh, How how are you going to be best led into that relationship with Christ? Hey, Clay, you mentioned on your conversation with Carrie last time that one of your student leaders, you were, you were giving an example of, of them having a, a conversation on an app yeah. that the student ministry yeah. uses. What is that, by the way? Is uh, that a, I think it was just group me. Is it group me? Yeah. Is there yeah. a lot of people that use that? It, is that a, a thing? As a I mean, I've never a, heard of it. Almost, I, I feel like the last three groups that I've been in, the group has reverted to using group me. And it's just group me. It's just an app that. Yeah, it's a it's a texting app uh, that is best designed for groups. Yeah, yeah. So everybody in the group is. I mean, right now here, you know, I've got, I've got my, I'm in multiple groups and I have multiple group me's and there's probably, yeah. So just today there's seven or eight comments that people are making about the group and they're messing with each other. Yeah. And some of them are reading the Bible together too. So right. there's some good stuff hey, going so, on. Yeah. And yeah. When you, you said when people. you said when you said that about the digital response, I was thinking of in the last year what has been really impactful in my own life as a, in a, as a spiritually relates to spiritual growth. And we we had a challenge from within our church to do soap, which we all know, you know, the Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Yes, but we did it in groups of, of four, but it was all digital. It was all text. Yeah, try group We didn't get together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just, we, we, were, we were interacting by text in a group text around passages of Scripture, yep. and it was really, really helpful and yep. impactful. Hmm. Now, did that replace Physical something? community? No, but it sure but added it enhanced to it. it. But yeah, the point is you're experimenting. It. That's right. Which is good. All right, final thoughts. Anything else you want to say? This has been really good. By the way, if you enjoyed this, do not miss Rethink Leadership. Go to RethinkLeadership.com, get your tickets today because I'm hoping this is uh, some of the stuff you guys can talk about at your tables. Uh, So if you're a campus pastor, lead pastor, executive pastor, we'd love to have you in Atlanta May 1st through 3rd. But final word. I'll give one. um, You know, this is something I've been, I'm trying to do this year is one, I want to be, uh, I want to be more grateful. Hmm. So, one of the things that I said January 1st was I want to say thank you to people more and I want to actually demonstrate gratitude. Um, as leaders, sometimes we forget that when we were starting out or when we were sort of on our way up, we did a lot of that because many times we didn't realize it. It was actually, it was part of our strategy to, <laughs> to, to try to, to get, get noticed. Yeah. yeah. Or, or to just, you know, well, maybe he'll like me, get people to pay attention to me. And one of the best things you can do as a leader 
once you're, you know, in charge or once you're the person that people are watching is you can model that. So that would be just an encouragement to leaders is find ways to, to, to show gratitude, to, you know, write notes, anything that, that allows for you to be an encouragement in people's lives. Mine is not insightful or interesting, but I would say my biggest learning right now is leadership is hard. <laughs> yeah. And if you are in the game, it is going to get, it's going to be tough. And I would say the last probably six months for me have been just more, more difficult leadership situations than I definitely wanted. And I don't know, I, I would hate for anybody to listen to this and go, oh, well, Carrie and Brad and Clay are, you know, sitting around having green room type conversations. Gosh, we don't. No. Yeah, we hardly have it figured out. And we are in the game with you. And if you're struggling or feeling like it's tough, it just is. And it's made me rely on Jesus more than ever before, which I think Mm -hmm. is maybe that's God's point. Maybe that's what Uh, he's trying to do. Lightning round, hardest part of leadership for you. Not a long answer, just a fast answer. I know mine. People. Okay, (laughs) that's mine, people. It's the people part. Yeah. yeah, trying to do the right thing with people. I mean, uh-huh. how do you help people see things they can't see about themselves that you know if they saw it, it would get better? 100%. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Other than the enlightening grace of God. How about you, Brad? Hardest aspect of leadership for you, even at this stage? I would say it's still executing, mm. you know? The discipline of like getting it done? The, dis- the, dis- the pursuit of the finish line. And, you know, we've got a lot of good ideas and we have a lot of things that we feel like are good concepts, but that's, that's what differentiates, I think. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Mine would be people too. And it's not that sometimes you don't know the right decision. It just takes you forever to get there. I'm, I'm a lot better at it than I was, but like, and I've got really smart people around me who can help me and coach me and, and assist me. But man, if you want to see me get eaten up, give me a, give me a people issue. That does it. Cause you really care and you're trying to balance the individual, you're trying to balance the mission, the organization, it's hard. That's why it's number four on Maxwell's levels. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it's not number one, not number one. I just talked about number three, which was production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Execution. People is is number four. Carrie, thanks for letting us do this. Hey, Clay, Brad, this is going to be great. We will reconvene in, uh, well, actually six, eight weeks or whatever. Rethink leadership. Hey, next week on the show, because we're doing this whole thing live, we have Joel and Nina Schmidgall. Do you guys know them? You would no. know them. You don't? You've never met them? No. You got to get to know them. So Mark Batterson. Okay. It's his brother-in-law, his campus pastor, and his sister. Uh, his, how, how does this work? Yeah, it's his brother-in-law, his sister-in-law, because Laura Batterson and Joel are brothers. By the way. And sister. Mark Batterson, one of the... One of the innovators of the podcast. I mean, one of the original, the, the original gangsters. Of he the was, podcast he world. was. His blog, man, I talked to him about this. It was like, I was there back in the early 2000s on dial-up. And was my first interview on the Callus podcast. Was he really? Back in 2006, yes. OG. It was, so, OG. It was such a bad interview. I was the worst interviewer ever. And he was the most gracious. You know how nice Mark is. Uh-huh. He was the most gracious. Uh, it. I, I hope it doesn't exist anywhere, but I know it does. <laughs> I'm going to go all the way back to 2006 on the Catalyst podcast and try to pull that one out. That's great. So that's next week. Here's an excerpt. And I think this is an increased problem in marriages is competing passion or vision. <laughs> Couples end up coming to the marriage with very 
um, passionate callings. And then um, if, if they can't come into um, alignment or understanding and ask the Lord and for a, a renewed and unified vision together, then that very quickly becomes a problem area. All right, guys, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. We are we back sing next him out, week. Clay? Should we, we sing, sing out? Send me out of hey, Carrie's tell people podcast? to subscribe. Tell people to subscribe. That's what you have to do, right? Subscribe, so go ahead. People. Everybody, go to go to iTunes. Mm-hmm. Click on that subscribe button. Rate and review. Rate and review. We'd like for you to rate and review, you know and what? we want you to share this with your friends. You know what? Don't yes. do it. How about that? <laughs> for <laughs> all of you, it's going to be accurate that's for ninety nine point nine percent of people listening to this. I believe I can fly. You're going to sing us out. I believe I can touch the sky. Well, thanks so much for (laughs) listening. Clay's on the floor. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.